Once a world-class capital, Prague was known as a cultural center, drawing in artists, writers, and composers from all over Europe. Today, the city's popularity lies in its preserved architecture, its wonderful old-world charm, and it's very popular with visitors. Jana Horowska and Katarina Svobodova are two Czech guides who live and work in Prague, and they're here in our studio to talk about one of Europe's most walkable and photogenic cities, Prague. Jana, Katarina, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you. Now, Jana, you were born and raised in Prague. We, we think of it today as sort of a fantasy land for tourism, and it's the golden city of a hundred spires and so many happy people. What are your childhood memories yes. of Prague? Well, uh, I was born in 1979, so it was 10 years before the you know regime changed. And uh, so I could actually, you know, follow all the changes, all the transition, which was very dramatic. But uh, to be honest, I really started to appreciate my city only through the eyes of the foreign visitors, because for me, all the beauty was normal. It has always been there. So it was not I was not amazed by the old, you know, ancient Charles Bridge or the great panorama of the Prague Castle. It was just there. No big deal. Maybe. No big deal. And also, you know, we did not travel that much, you know, ah. when I was a child. So maybe you thought every city was like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and the tourists come and they go, wow, this is incredible. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, maybe they helped you appreciate the uniqueness of Prague. That's right. That's right. Because then only then I could realize how lucky actually we were, despite all the bad luck of the yeah. 20th century, despite of the all the totalitarian regimes and, and just everything. for a quick review, of course, Prague mm-hmm. was historically for a thousand years the capital of the Czech people. But, you know, mm-hmm. in the 20th century, mm-hmm. it was under the Soviet Union control. That's right, after World War II, because actually we were in the, you know, sphere of influence or interest of Soviet Russia. And then especially after 1968, after the invasion, so we were practically occupied by the Soviets. So it was uh, relatively... Gray and, and it was and it was gray and maybe sad, you know, looking yeah. city. Uh, but we were lucky, actually, during World War II, that Prague was actually almost untouched. One of the so, one of the few major exactly. cities that, for yeah, whatever yeah. reason, was not bombed. Yes. So then the communists did not have any chance to kind of build their, you know, so architecture. Katerina, then uh, finally, what 1989, 1990, the Soviet Union fell apart. Prague was free. Well, 1989 was our Velvet Revolution, so we were the fourth in the row. So after Poland and Hungary and then East, I think the biggest thing, the East Germany, when the wall Mm -hmm. fell down, we were like, "Mm, that's maybe our chance. So we started also. Okay, so 1990, we have Czechoslovakia free from the Soviet Union. And then what happened with Czecho and Slovakia? Czechoslovakia. Well, you know, at the beginning, of course, it was like uh, this, this marriage always worked well. At least I, from my, you know, granny, I know when it started in the 1918 and so. But the truth is that then they were those ideas like, oh, why we actually don't call it maybe Slovakia? There was the first issue about oh, the... Slovakia, Czechoslovakia. So then and after that, well, and then, of course, then other political leaders got into the power because it was pretty amazing. The first elections we had after the fall of communism in June of 1990 with all the parties we all of a sudden could uh, choose from, you know. And so was it was it obvious for everybody that Czech people and Slovak people wanted to be independent countries from each other, or was it a big debate? I would not say so. Sometimes people are surprised when we tell them how peacefully we split. So that was a bloodless split. It was a, almost a happy divorce. It was. Yeah. I so would now say we it have was. Czech Republic and we have and Slovakia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now Prague is uh, known as the golden city of a hundred spires, and as Jana was saying, not bombed in World War II. It's a city that has amazing architecture, almost like a time warp. 
And mm-hmm. today all the, the pollution and the soot has been cleaned away and it sparkles. Yeah, this is what I was thinking when Jana was talking about that grayness, you know, that it was exactly like what I remember from my childhood, Prague, how it looked and how amazing it was that after uh, the changes, when the city was also put on UNESCO, day by day you could see more and more shine and color in the city as it used to be, but we had no chance to see it before. So then, and just because of this great luck that it was not really destroyed, we can take it like a, even mystery because it's not even very clearly explained like why the city was not bombed. I guess it was just luck. The the the, the armies yeah. and the bombs well, could have come through Prague. That's and... right because there was also nothing important for the war efforts. You yeah, know, that's right. that's probably why. And then those bombs, what we got, it was a mistake. We got one from the American uh, allies when it was Dresden on the target, and so. Oh, they so, thought they were bombing Dresden. Yeah, and they there was it a mistake in navigation well, or something. Guidebook. So, uh, well, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Jana Horowska and Katarina Svobodova, two guides who live and work in Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic. And Jana, when we think of Prague, I want to talk about places that people normally don't know about. But first of all, the places that people know about. When you go to Prague and you have one day to see the great sights, very briefly, what are you going to see? Mm-hmm. Well, so I will just give you three words, which is castle, bridge and clock. So these are the three kind of, you know, highlights. But uh, I would maybe suggest going there either very early in the morning or then later in the day because Prague became very, very popular over the last, you know, well, yeah. decades, I would It, say. You can almost not walk down the bridge. It's so full of yes, tourists. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But you've got the, the Moldova River. Yes. And yes. that's the great river. And the, the city of Prague is like 50-50. It seems like straddling the river. On the top of the hill on one side is, in by some measures, the biggest castle in Europe. That's right. With a yeah. wonderful cathedral, great palaces to see, and you've, you've got to see that. Yes. And then what is it called, the Royal Walk or the Royal Way? Well, the Royal Way or Royal Route, which used to be the Coronation Route, actually, mm-hmm. which is practically the route that goes along the major sites. So yeah. if you really want to have an easy walk, so then you can follow it. Actually, there are maps that kind of show, you know, where that route uh, is going on. It, of course, crosses the Charles Bridge and it ends up in the St. Vitus Cathedral, which was used for the royal coronation. So that's why... And the St. Vitus Cathedral, is it's got to be the pointiest church in Europe. It's got all these wonderful pointy, narrow spires overlooking the main square. And then on the city hall, you have this medieval clock the that medieval everybody clock. wants to yes, see. Yes, that's right. And yeah. you mentioned the Charles Bridge. If there's one most beautiful bridge in Europe... I would vote for the Charles Bridge. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yes. Okay, so that's yeah. that's the basic yes, stuff to see. That's the basic stuff. And uh, the Art Nouveau dimension of the city, yeah. um, Muka. Yes, uh, yes. Now, uh, Katarina, you, you bring people through Prague, and everybody wants to see Muka, and everybody wants yeah. to see the castle, everyone wants to see the clock. You must think in your heart, oh, but you should see this. It's not so famous, but this is more hmm. honest, the people or the culture of Prague. What would you recommend for special things that are different than the normal tourist things? I would say that um, to visit Vyšehrad, you know, that's the second castle complex we have there, but because it's an uh, important site for us also, because we have the National Cemetery there, so we can talk a lot about culture, about people who who are buried there, and so also it offers beautiful views of the city, of the river, of the Prague Castle complex on the other side. It's much greener, it's less crowded, it's very local too, that people go there just for nice walks, you know, or the little kids play there in the in the playgrounds. So I, I often take people there and they're very happy. So the tourists line up and they literally line up to see the castle. It's hard to get in. Yes, it takes a days. long time to, and you're just shuffling through with all the tourists 
and it's great, you need to do it. But on, on the other side of the river, Vishahrad, V-Y-S-E-H-R-A-D, something like that. Yes, that's... Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. it's got another castle, but most importantly, local people, families, greenery, nice views of the river, and the memorials and the National cemetery, cemetery. the, the, the mm. heroes of the Czech Republic. So that would be an important thing. Uh, anything else, Jana? Or well, I have to say I really like the uh, you know neighborhoods, which I would call like the outer city center, uh, which actually are the neighborhoods that were mainly built in the 19th century, so beyond the city walls that came down at that time. And uh, so we have got, for instance, an area which is called Vinohrady, which means ah. the vineyards, because okay. there used to be vineyards originally. And it's a very fancy neighborhood with many, uh, you know, really nice cafes and restaurants. So this is a district that changed a lot over the last, again, couple of years. So this is an area where, where I would take the people to show them also that there is not that, you know, touristy Prague only, but also areas which are still fancy, but where regular people live. Where, real, where you feel yeah. the, the, the pulse yeah. of the city. Katerina, I think that it's fun to think about unique Czech life habits. Every culture has quirky things. You know, the, the British sip their tea uh-huh. and the, the Spanish <laughs> love their guitars. Yeah. What would you say about the people of Czech if we wanted to make a generalization? What are some fun things that you do when you're with your family that might be uh, kind of celebrating who you are as Czech people? I would say that uh, at least what we started when I was little, and I think it goes in many Czech families, it is to pick mushrooms, the wild-grown ones. Ah. Usually I got the question like, but you're still alive? Because we really know what you pick, and that's amazing. We are taught by our grandfathers. Usually, I don't know, we are like two, three years old. They take us there, they show us what is what. Then you can, of course, get an atlas, and you can just (laughs) compare and so. But we don't have loads of events that people would get poisoned. So there must be something. So you go out and get mushrooms, nobody dies. And no. Does anybody get high? Are they hallucinogenic? Well, of course, it does happen here that and happens. there. But, <laughs> but <laughs> normally, true. you just have some nice uh, yeah. mushrooms as a family And excursion. it's a great then for our cuisine, you know, you can do loads of meals with it. So then it's like we sometimes call it like this is the Czech national sport. Of course, we do real sports. Picking mushrooms. But, <laughs> yeah. What's another example of something uniquely Czech, Katja? Well, then I would say that maybe... The beer, you know, culture very much. We like it oh, yeah. uh, a lot. And uh, maybe we are not that well known, but but we are pretty good at that. Now, even according to some statistics, the biggest beer drinkers per capita. So perhaps the Czech people drink the most beer per capita. And it would not surprise me because the <laughs> beer is so good. And it hits the table like a glass of water in the United States. It's almost assumed mm-hmm. you're going to have right, a beer. That's right, but yeah, you don't need to even order another one. When your glass is almost empty, all of a sudden there is another one. So how do you stop the beer from coming? You just simply you just show them go. after, or they maybe see. <laughs> they, they see that's enough. What's a beer hall called in Prague? Is it a, just a tap? We, uh, we uh, well, I like to go to small, uh, even microbreweries these yeah. days because it's something new. But otherwise, of course, we have some where they've been brewing beers even since 1400. Oh, it's so historic. And you step into his, these bar, these yeah. taverns, and it, it's more characteristic even than uh, some you might find in Germany. It's a very intimate way to connect with the culture and convivial. You meet people. And you enjoy yeah. some great food also, so it's a cheap oh, yeah. place to go, and it's easy to make friends. This mm-hmm. is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about the Czech Republic, specifically the capital city of Prague. We're joined by two Czech guides who both live and work in Prague, Jana Horowska and Katerina Svobodova. Our phone number is 877-333-7425, and Sarah's on the line from Ferndale in Michigan. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Do you have a comment or a question for our guides? I do. Um, I'm going to be traveling to Prague with a friend of mine. We're both single in our early 40s, and we are looking for some maybe out-of-the-way places to go to 
meet people and just kind of enjoy the Czech culture. I mean, we do plan on going to many of the tourist spots, but we also kind of want to get that authentic uh, Czech experience at at our age. (laughs) So out of the way, meet the people, get away from the tourists, a couple of women in their 40s traveling. What, what, What would you guys recommend? So I think that you do not necessarily have to stay in Prague. It, of course, depends how many days you will have all together, because I would say that for a little like exploring of Prague, you would need at least two days. Three would be even better. But you can definitely make a trip to a not very remote neighborhood where there might be an interesting castle or a little medieval town uh, or something. And it's all very easily manageable because the public transportation system is just, you know, functioning and you don't need to be afraid. And usually people communicate in English. So Would it be safe in a, in a neighborhood, just a typical neighborhood for two mm. um, single women? To yeah, that's what I was just going to say when they ask about that. Well, it's our age. This is quite amazing how... I never thought of that after some time when I started to travel around the world, mm-hmm. that we are actually that lucky that we live in such a safe city and, and the whole country too, that we don't have to be worried as women. I like to go to like jazz bars or, or so to go in the middle of the night back home. I don't need to worry about that. It's a big city. When I'm working in Prague, I, I walk home in the dark at 12 o'clock. I never, it's never even a thought, am I safe? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful city. You're very blessed that way in Prague and Czech Republic. There you go, Sarah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you very you. much. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Prague with Jana and Katerina. You know, I'm very curious about the challenges today. Democracies all over the world are experiencing division and fear and rise of um, autocracy and uh, fear of immigrants. And just over the border from you in Hungary is a very extreme example. Uh, what is your view of Hungary, and do you see anything like this happening in the Czech Republic, Katerina? Well, I would say that that not yet. It is not that extreme as I feel it in Hungary when I go there. So when you see Hungary from Czech Republic, just very briefly, what do you see happening in Hungary? Cutting the human rights very much so. The prime minister is really getting over and basically taking the power from from the media and so on and so on. And how is he doing that? How is he able to get the people to support him derailing democracy. Well, it was also that they changed the the electoral system there. So then all of a sudden he was reelected just because they somehow changed the proportion, you know, of the regions and so on. And a similar dynamic is going on in Poland. So you must look around and feel like, uh, what's going to happen in the Czech Republic? Jana, what do you see? Is, is there any feeling of division and fear and people uh, compromising their freedoms in order to be safe from uh, immigrants or refugees or, you know, this kind of fear that yeah. autocrats will use? Well, I would say that our country is as much split as yours, to be mm-hmm. honest, really. Yeah. And uh, we actually only some, well, less than 10 years ago introduced the direct vote of the president. You must Again. look at the news. You can see the news in, in Britain, in Poland, in Turkey, yeah. in Hungary, in the United States. And you must wonder which way is the tide going, up yeah. or down? You yeah. know? It's And it's worrying, you know, and I just don't understand that people, you know, have forgotten already, you know, what was going on under communism. You because know. just 30 years ago, exactly. you won your freedom. Exactly, exactly. We're getting insider tips for enjoying the charm of Prague right now on Travel with Rick Steves with locally-based tour guides Katerina Svobodova and Jana Horovska. Katka offers a variety of themed tours of Prague at pragewalker.com. One thing I love about the Czech Republic is the sense of humor. You guys have the most quirky, fascinating sense of humor. Let's just close with uh, just what is unique about the Czech sense of humor, Katerina? 
<laughs> couple of years ago, it was pretty amazing. We had that contest about the greatest check. And uh, a person who never existed, who was created by uh, two uh, uh, actors and uh, playwrights, uh, they just created uh, his uh, then his image. So never really a real person, but he almost made it to be the biggest check. So they had to cross him off those. <laughs> <laughs> he was competing against the greatest checks yes, in history. Like the, yeah, the, the presidents and then, you know. It's, it's almost absurd. In fact, uh, Jana... Franz Kafka is a famous Czech yes. uh, humorist or philosopher. Or well, what would you call him? And what is his thinking? Well, I think that uh, he was a man that cannot be really put into any category. He was really yeah. unique. I would maybe compare him a little bit to George Orwell because I think that he was describing things that were about to come. Yeah, okay. Because in some of his books, you can kind of read things that could be very easily applied to, for example, the communist rule that we experience in reality. Yeah. So he lived in the, or he was born in Prague in the late uh, 1800s. Mm-hmm. And for his time, he was a very liberal, you know, uh, man. So he had a bit of a problem with the, you know, so environment. So you could, you could like speak that. out against an authoritarian regime without going to prison if you were absurd and just sort of cloaked in, yeah, in, in commentary, yeah. but it was sort of in another world. And I think the Czechs are really good at traveling without being able to travel (laughs) during the time that you could not travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Because you could could fantasize (laughs) and and you could go into a a tea house and be in China. I mean, in Prague, there's some beautiful tea houses for people that couldn't travel. And then, of course, you've got all the absurdist art and the black, what is it, the black light? Blacklight Black Light Theater, yes, that's that's another thing what uh, we like a lot. And of course, it's not always easy to describe it. I would rather just say go and see go it. because... Uh, because it's absurdity it's with uh, in, in a theater. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been exploring the Czech Republic and its capital city of Prague with our two guides, Jana Horovska and Katerina Svobodova. How do we say thank you very much in Czech? Děkuji moc. Děkuji moc. And how do we say happy travels in Czech? Well, we say šťastnou we, yes, cestu. Yes, cestu. That would be maybe the best. What is that again? Šťastnou cestu. It's boy, like oh bon boy. voyage. Bon voyage. Yeah, bon voyage. <laughs> yeah, bon voyage. It's <laughs> okay. like šťastnou cestu. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And uh, <laughs> we really appreciate you being here. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, děkujeme. Děkujeme. <laughs> hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, you can savor Europe's most exciting experiences and sights through a hundred of my favorite travel stories. Imagine hanging from an alpine ridge, dancing at a Turkish circumcision party, and swinging with a bell ringer in a medieval church spire. You can order your copy of For the Love of Europe at ricksteves.com.